Welcome to IFL Science The Big Questions Season 3. We are kicking off the new season with an exciting episode hosted by IFL Science team member Eleanor Higgs. She's here in a conversation with Polar Bears International, recorded live from the icy tundra of Canada. So I'm joined for today's episode by Elisa McCall from Polar Bears International. Elisa, fabulous to have you with us. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your job, your role, and what you're up to? Sure, yeah. So I am the Director of Conservation Outreach and a staff scientist at Polar Bears International. Basically means I get to do a bit of science and a bit of outreach. So learn about polar bears, talk about polar bears. So I feel very lucky to have this job. Um, I've been working with polar bears out here since 2010 and working for Polar Bears International since 2014. And one of, well, this is one of our favorite times of the year. So we are just outside of Churchill, Manitoba right now. I am on a tundra buggy. So we kind of like to call it our polar bear monster truck. Uh, We drive around at this time of the year on set trails in the wildlife management area because we know that polar bears are going to be here. And we know that because Hudson Bay Um, has polar bears, but polar bears, of course, like sea ice. So all through the winter, during the months where Hudson Bay is frozen over with ice, the bears are out there hunting seals. That's where they want to be. That's where they're, you know, making their living, eating the seals on the sea ice. But Hudson Bay has what we call seasonal sea ice. So in the summer, of course, it gets warm and that ice melts. So the bears have to come back onto land. And this is, you know, part of their normal cycle. The bears are adapted to come back on land and they fast. They live off their own body fat. Um, they eat a little bit of eggs and berries, but I, it's like us eating some jelly beans, you know, not a big contribu- contribution. Um, so this time of the year, though, like October, November, we're, of course, inching closer to winter. It's cooling down and the sea ice will be freezing up again soon. And the bears know this. And so we see this kind of slow migration of the population here to the coast. Polar bears are coming in. They're coming in to wait along the shores because as soon as that ice is freezes up enough, uh, they're gone. So right now, you know, most of the bears, they're hanging out, they're sleeping, they're walking slow, but they're curious, they're bored, they're hungry, they're checking us out, um, they come close, they come far, and we, we're we here to watch the whole thing. And we're live streaming everything on multiple cameras we have spread around. And we're, yeah, talking to people, answering questions, and just enjoying the bears. This is amazing. And I think it's amazing that you're recording this podcast from the buggy. So you're yeah. like surrounded by the, the snow and the bears and everything. I think that's incredible. So like moving a little bit deeper, polar bears mm-hmm. are like the poster child for climate change and all of this sort of thing. So how are mm-hmm. like the Hudson Bay population like reacting to like our warming planet? Yeah, you know, polar bears is the poster child for global warming. It's it's a bit of a cliche, but there's a really good reason for it. And of course, one of the reasons is, is the bears, they're so compelling. So they do get people's attention. Another reason is that there really is extremely strong evidence showing us that these polar bears are impacted by climate warming. And actually where we are right now, so we are in an area called Western Hudson Bay, and this is one of 19 different polar bear populations around the Arctic. But these bears, because we're in Churchill, which is relatively easy to get to compared to other parts of the Arctic, still it takes a lot, but relatively easier. And again, we know the, where the polar bears are going to be. This is one of the most accessible populations we have of polar bears. That means these are the best studied polar bears in the world. And we have over 40 years of data on these bears. At the same time, we have excellent sea ice data from Hudson Bay. 
So this was the first population in the world where we were able to link changes in sea ice to changes in polar bear body conditions. So we like to call these bears the fat, white, hairy canaries in the coal mine. They're telling us that as polar bears see changes in their sea ice, they will be impacted and we will start to see that in other areas across the Arctic and we already have. But specifically what we have seen here is that in, the, in about the 1980s, we had around 1200 polar bears in this area. Currently, uh, 30 years later, that is about 800 polar bears, closer to 800. So that's a decline. We're also seeing uh, smaller bears. We're seeing fewer cubs. This area used to be quite famous actually for triplets. Uh, Hudson is very productive. Now we see a lot fewer of those triplet litters. Basically what's happened is as, as we're losing our thick sea ice, the sea ice, um, or let's say the ice-free season has extended. So polar bears are spending longer periods of time on land than they used to. So three to four weeks, um, and that's slowly increasing over time. This means during those weeks, they're losing access to their seal prey. So they don't have access to the high calorie blubber that they're adapted to, and that's really what they need to survive. So less hunting and more living off their own body fat. And when they're on land, they lose up to about a kilogram a day. Uh, so, you know, if, if you can imagine that extending, that, that does take a toll. Uh, if you're a healthy adult male and you have a lot of options of different prey you can hunt because you're big and strong and you know the area, you can probably go a little extra long without eating. You will have a limit. Uh, but where we're really seeing the impact is on moms and cubs. And if you're a mom, if you're if you're a pregnant female, you're already in this area going up to eight months without eating. These females come on to land about June, July. Uh, they'll be going into the dens right about now. They will be in the dens giving birth and nursing until about March when they come back out on the ice. That's about eight months. So we're already asking these females to do so much. And now we're going to extend that by another month and even more in the future. And we're seeing them, these females get closer to the threshold where it's so hard to produce cubs and then to get those cubs into adulthood. So that's really where we're seeing the population decline is uh, we're not getting the cubs into you know, the adult population of polar bears here. Gosh, it's so fascinating to lose a kilo a day for any species is is so devastating and then yeah it's only going to get longer i think that's that's quite terrifying really especially for the polar yeah. bears and you know these bears have adapted and, and polar bears across the arctic they are okay living off their own body fat for periods of time that's they're adapted to do that there's these feast and famine cycles all over uh, but it's when we start pushing those boundaries of what the bears have adapted to uh, so and it's just so important that they get lots of seals and lots of blubber uh, to put it put weight on in, in the springtime um, yeah, so we're just seeing them be pushed to their limits. Do you see changes in the seal population at all? That's a good question. That's something, you know, we talk about a lot. Seals are even harder to study than polar bears because they like to live under the water. Uh, we, we know that the seals will be impacted also by changing ice patterns. The seals that polar bears predate on primarily are ringed and bearded seals, which are both ice associated seals. So both of those species need ice as well. So when we start to lose the sea ice, these seals, they have, you know, they might have a harder time finding places to haul out. Um, their birth layers are made of ice. And if the birth layers with their pups inside, if, it, if it's a very wet year, those can collapse and the seals can have a harder time. And another thing we're seeing in Hudson Bay here is that killer whales have been coming in um, in the last few years. And that didn't used to happen. That's because ice is opening up. Killer whales usually can't be around sea ice because they have the dorsal fin. Arctic whales like beluga and narwhal do not, so they can get near the ice. But as it's opening up, 
killer whales are coming in. So now there's these poor seals have an underwater predator now where they used to just have the above water polar bear. Uh, so that might have some interesting impacts as well. So seals are something we're monitoring. We actually, uh, two days ago out here, it's kind of rare. Occasionally there's a seal that will get stranded on land. Um, and the bears will get the seal on land, which we've seen that before in the past, but we've seen the aftermath of it. A couple of days ago out here, there was a seal that was coming close to the shore and we were watching a polar bear just walk along the coast. And then all of a sudden this bear, we got this all on camera, the bear just like dropped down and looked, we didn't know what was happening, put its ears back and like ran toward the water um, and stopped and was watching the seal. Anyway, long story short, the polar bear never got the seal, but for maybe an hour, we watched the bear kind of stalk the seal up and down the coast. Polar bears really do need to use sea ice as a platform to give them an advantage to hunt the seal. Very hard to hunt a seal in open water. But man, that polar bear watched that seal. And that seal was like taunting the bear for a while. <laughs> What's going on? But it was it was so cool um, to watch that play out. We we hadn't seen that behavior before, and we know it happens in the wild. But it was very cool. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, that seal just like being like, well, I'm not coming on land and the polar bear right? not coming in the water, just this sort of like, like, like between teething. them. Yeah, I was like, if I if I was a seal and I saw a polar bear, I might, you know, swim away. But the seal was just teasing and just being silly. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think that's what it was. It was quite confident in itself. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by your big buggy and all the tech that you guys oh. have. Can you tell me yeah. more about all your data? Yeah, well, so this time of the year, it, we are primarily doing education outreach. But, you know, to even do that out here, it's it's tough. And my fabulous team here, especially BJ and KT, they're the ones really running, making this work. But we do have a massive antenna on the back of buggy one, massive. And it's... Uh, getting the wi-fi from the town of churchill and we can do that because the tundra is flat so we can shoot internet out across the tundra and then grab it with the antenna luckily so our connection is amazing it's taken over you know 10 years to get to this point it's a lot of work um but we do have a few cool things also going on again the polar bear cams we do have a cam on the buggy so it's out front here so we can drive around find the best action live stream it to anyone around the world that wants to get a glimpse of these bears it's super cool we also um, have a few you know other projects going on one in particular is this radar project so we are increasingly working with the idea of human polar bear coexistence as these polar bears are spending longer periods of time on land they're getting hungrier they're maybe more likely to come into communities in search of food. How can we keep communities safe and keep the polar bears safe and in the wild, so safe and separate? What we need to do is give communities you know, a lot of support. There's a lot of different options that we can, can help with, but one option would be good is just an early warning system. So um, if we can detect a polar bear before it enters town and give people time to get inside and get away, then we have a better chance of keeping people safe and keeping the bears in the wild. So this radar system, we're training it, but we're basically teaching it, what does a polar bear look like? And if we can train this radar to know what a polar bear is compared to say a human on a snowmobile or a dog or even a rabbit, then it can you know, let people know. It can sound an alarm, it can turn a light on, it can text message an officer or something like that if it sees a bear coming in. So we're, we're also testing that out here this fall and, and continue to refine that work. That's incredible that you can like train it to recognize what a polar bear looks like. And that's done for the protection of the bears and the people as well, presumably, as they like spend more time on land and come into contact with people a lot more. 
Exactly. Yeah, we, we need to be able to offer a, a variety of different tools, low tech and high tech. There's communities all across the Arctic. Everyone has a slightly different, um, you know, geography, different sea ice patterns, different relationships with polar bears. It's all different. But if we just have a variety of options that we can help support communities with and they can choose what works for them or develop something else, then we have a better chance of, you know, keeping the people safe and protected and then keeping polar bears protected as they spend longer periods of time on land. Incredible. And we should also mention as well that as we're recording this, it's Polar Bear Week. Oh, it is Polar Bear Week. Yes. <laughs> um, that's, so we celebrate polar bears well all year for us and then particularly in the fall. But then this one week of year, we do this extra push. We know we're going to see polar bears this week. So it's just one of the best times of the year to really highlight um, the work we're doing and just how incredible the animal is. So we've got live events all week. We've got amazing social media, posting lots of pictures. And then we are highlighting our project Detect and Protect. Uh, so Detect Polar Bears, Protect People and Polar Bears. And that is part of that radar system. So people can check out our website and find a lot more about it and even ways to get involved if they're interested and just other parts of our coexistence work that we're doing. So yeah, it's very exciting for, yeah, we love Polar Bear Week. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, it's incredible. Is there anything else that you feel like you should mention? Like what are people missing about the polar bears and the sea ice and all that sort of relationship going on? What's the one thing that you wish you could communicate to our audience? Yeah, I, I think the crux of it is polar bears are an ice bear. You know, they're the biggest bear. They are the only marine bear. They really are a bear that relies on Arctic sea ice. This bear cannot live on land long-term. Without the sea ice, we don't have the polar bear. But we can protect Arctic sea ice. We know that actions we take today can keep sea ice in the Arctic and polar bears in the Arctic. It will take us moving away from fossil fuels and using more renewable energies like solar and wind on a large scale. And just as a society in general, moving toward this cleaner, more renewable future for the polar bear, but ultimately it's about us. You know, Our future is so shared with the bear, everything we're doing for them benefits us and vice versa. And just a, a call out that COP27 is starting uh, next week. We do have people there representing us, representing the North um, and the people all over the world. And it, it's important that we have that counterbalance to the government officials that will be there and to really talk about these goals we have that transcend borders um, and that, you know, again, benefit everybody around the world. We need to all be working together to protect our, all of our future. Yeah, it's so important to think that the polar bear is just an indicator and really yes. like the sea ice is part of a global problem that affects everyone, yeah. world leaders, you and me, the polar bears and so, so much more. Totally. We like to say that Arctic sea ice is the Earth's air conditioner, and it really is. It, it's so massive and reflective and cold. It helps cool our entire planet the way that the cycles work. So when we lose Arctic sea ice, truly our global climate is impacted. So it, it's good for all of us to keep this Arctic sea ice in the Arctic. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you so much for having us. We love, yeah, chatting, especially for Polar Bear Week. And yeah, and if people want more polar bear resources and to access the live camps, where can they find them? Yeah, so the best place is polarbearsinternational.org. Uh, but you can check out also the live cams and more cams all over the world on explore.org. It's our wonderful partner. Um, and then our social media, you know, we're at polar bears on Instagram and Twitter and we're on Facebook too. So check us out anywhere, anywhere you are. We're hopefully there too. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.
Thank you for listening to The Big Questions. Head over to iflscience.com for the latest and greatest science headlines. The music in this episode is credited to audioblocks.com. See you next time.